the Sem Says Podcast, where seminarians say the things that are said at the Sem. My name is Andrew St. Dennis, and I'm your host. And today I am here with a good friend of mine, classmate, and diocesan brother, Cole Mace. Cole, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're from and you know, where'd you go to school, that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. So I am from uh, the Hershey area of Pennsylvania. Uh, it's probably about the closest thing that anyone will probably know who might listen to this. And that's the Harrisburg Diocese. So as uh, Andrew said, I am his uh, diocesan brother. Yeah, I came to seminary not right out of high school. Obviously, I'm in the pre-theology program here at St. Charles. I actually went to a secular university, so I went to Shippensburg University, uh, studied political science. Uh, I got a bachelor in that. Then after that, I ended up working for a couple of years, and I kind of had like a pretty big uh, reversion in my life. Uh, that's a pretty common story, I guess you see, uh, especially a lot on the internet. When you start to get back into Catholicism, you start looking at all the internet presence, you hear all these great stories about reversions and... Uh, how people kind of came back to the faith or really learned their faith for the first time, especially if they didn't have a a great catechesis growing up, which uh, unfortunately I can attest to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Where, where did you work before coming to seminary? Yeah. So I worked a a couple different jobs. Uh, At first, right after university, I I didn't really have a a job lined up. And so I ended up working at this uh, fundraising place that would make subs, Uh, not Subway. (laughs) a fundraising place that would make subs. And after that, I ended up working as a shift manager at a Sheets gas station. Uh, That was a a little bit of an experience, uh, definitely a learning experience, being in charge of people, uh, learning what it kind of means to be a leader, learning that that's not always fun. And so it was definitely a, a big growth experience working there. And then right after that, I ended up working at the Capitol in Harrisburg, doing some legislative monitoring work, which is essentially just being a journalism, but for, like, it's like, it's basically doing journalism, but for bills. So you write a summary of what a bill is and you say whether or not it passes. That's probably the best way to summarize what I did. Nice. Very cool. (laughs) So, yeah. Very cool. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here, Cole. And today I figured it would be great to talk to you about devotion to the saints. You and I had spent this past summer together on our uh, summer assignments from our vocations office, we were sent down to Louisa, Kentucky to go work at a mission center. And you and I had a lot of free time while we were down there and we had spent it praying. And also we watched a lot of Avatar, The Last Airbender. But it was down there that you and I had both kind of developed devotions to two different saints. And I would love to talk to you about that, especially your devotion and how that has shaped your life, how it's shaped your prayer, how, you know, how has your day-to-day changed and your interests? So first I'd like to ask you, like on a basic level, what does it mean to have, you know, devotion to the saints or to a saint? And what does it mean to, to pray to the saints? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, at some level, I would kind of say that my experience of kind of uh, developing this devotion to the saints, it, it kind of seems uh, a lot more that, you know, sometimes you kind of seek out saints or you kind of seek out new saints that you want to learn more about. But oftentimes, I think that when it comes to our devotion to saints in particular, 
uh, that God actually kind of sends them to us <laughs> in some sense. Uh, that we, we have a we have a kind of a role in choosing them, but in some sense, I think that they often uh, they often might be actually choosing us, and they don't really like to leave us alone. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, there's a couple of saints like that for me, but within the last year, I'll say that uh, Saint Francis of Assisi has really come up as a saint that I never really knew a lot about before. I never really had a particular devotion. Uh, yeah. I think like a lot of people, I just kind of associated Saint Francis of Assisi, and I was like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, the bird guy, uh, right? So he does he does the nature stuff. Like that's that's pretty cool, you know. But I had never really read his real story. And oftentimes the way that people talked about him um, or that I had seen him kind of portrayed, I, I was like, oh, well, yeah, he seems seems pretty pretty cool, but I don't, I don't know that I'm really that interested. Not that I don't like nature, but that I, I just wasn't super like, well, okay, like, what is this guy about? Uh, basically, I was kind of thinking about, well, you know, what is this guy, uh, what is this guy kind of really about? And, and I ended up picking up this, this book, this biography on St. Francis, written by, uh, his last name was Engelbert. It was a biography probably written in the 50s. Apparently, Dynamic Catholic is now actually printing it, we know, yeah. uh, which I was really surprised to see, but that's awesome. Uh, if you see it on any of those bookshelves at your parish or Newman Center or wherever you might be listening to this, and it has the picture of, it almost looks like an icon of St. Francis Blue, and it says uh, a biography of St. Francis of Assisi. Highly recommended book. But we'll yeah, put a link. We'll put a link for that book in the description, so that way, if you're interested, you can pick it up. Yeah, so that was kind of like my first kind of like foray into like the actual life of Saint Francis, other than knowing that okay, this is Saint. He he worked with the poor and he liked nature. And what I kind of found was is that Saint Francis's life, um, and especially his uh, his early story, his conversion, really kind of struck me. I really. Uh, it resonated with me on kind of a personal level. Like it felt very relatable, but also just the extreme love that he had for God and for the faith. Uh, and just the way that that really like resonated for me really attracted me to the saint. Yeah, it just, it just really attracted me to St. Francis uh, generally, his story. So, Yeah, since you've picked that biography up, you've been telling me all the things that I have never known about St. Francis and I personally need to pick this book up because I, I've i been blown away by the stories that you've told me that, you know, that Engelbert had written about, as well as, I believe you said St. Bonaventure had also written a book about St. Francis. Uh, yeah, Bonaventure also wrote a, a story about St. Francis. So uh, his, his biography is a little bit different, and uh, I also actually read that, and yeah, that one was pretty enjoyable. It has a bit of a different focus and has a different ordering, um, but also they definitely recommend it. I mean, being written by a doctor of the church, certainly. Yeah, and, and I guess like the thing to kind of like go in depth of like how like my, my personal devotion to this saint and I guess probably how a lot of people's devotions to saints in general kind of flows is that those, those stories about the saint that just really touch you, they really resonate with you. Um, and for me, like they really motivated me, right? Like, I'm like, oh, man, like I want to be able, like I want to be able to say that, like I want to be able to love Jesus, like Saint Francis loved Jesus. You know, he kind of goes out into this world after he gets this mission. You know, like the story that everyone knows about Saint Francis, he he gets the mission to to help rebuild my church because it's falling apart. And what that means, he doesn't really know, but he just kind of goes. And the radical thing about Saint Francis was, is when he picked up the gospel and he read it. And he just went, I'm going to do this literally. Yeah. Period. 
And it's just the most shocking thing in the whole world when you read it. Because when when people say St. Francis was poor, I mean, they literally mean this guy had nothing. I mean, he had literally the clothes on his back and nothing else. He wouldn't accept money. And he just went around preaching essentially to repent and believe the gospel. That That's what his, his entire preaching was. And he went around preaching the love of the, of the gospel and the joy of the gospel. And that's really where the whole nature thing with St. Francis comes in, I think, is it's not so much just that he likes nature, but that in nature he sees the love of God. And it's for that sake that he loves nature and that he loves the animals. Um, it's not so much for their own sake, but because God has given them to us that he really kind of points that out. And yeah, just generally I'd say like, St. Francis turned out, after I read this book, to be this incredibly hardcore saint. Like, maybe one of the most hardcore. <laughs> um, you know, he talks about asceticism and, and fasting, um, which is especially pertinent right now, right, because it's Lent. But St. Francis would do incredibly insane fasts that, like, no one else could match. He was, he was very ascetic. He was very serious. Uh, he traveled around a lot. You know, he had this desire to be a martyr. And of course, eventually, and what I had never heard, and which was probably most shocking to me, was that towards the end of his life, he became one of the first really widespread, well-known stigmatists. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, so St. Francis having the stigmata, the uh, the five wounds of Christ on his body manifested uh, physically after having this vision of Christ on the cross with the wings of the seraphim, right, uh, coming down after this 40-day long kind of a personal Lent leading up to the the feast day of Michael the Archangel, that he had received this this gift of the stigmata that would end up being such a witness to his holiness, uh, much to his discomfort. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I'm I'm sure being one of the first one of the first saints to have received the stigmata, almost like this visible sign of his own personal holiness and devotion to our Lord, especially as a man who did not want attention and everything about him he wanted to direct back to god and lead others to christ i'm sure that drew vast amounts of unwanted attention for himself and people looking at him as oh look at that holy man when in reality francis if i'm correct just saw himself as a poor beggar before our lord who just wanted nothing more than his love yeah, Francis oftentimes really saw himself as kind of perpetually making reparation for his his own past and for his sins. I mean, so he was very cognizant of his own fallenness, and he always kind of had that before him. Um, and he struggled with that a lot before he would receive kind of these consolations from God that would that would kind of assure him that you know, it was going to be all right. Um, and that he was really working through him, you know, and, and even that, you know, that can kind of resonate, I think, with us sometimes. I mean, sometimes I think we can, we can kind of get a little bit down on ourselves or we can kind of feel like, you know, like, oh man, like, am I, am I doing really, if I'm doing what God wants, you know, am I, am I, am I living my life well enough? And, you know, that's, that's not just something that, you know, we struggle with, but that's like, even great saints struggle with that. And St. Francis struggled with that. But really, I mean, you know, despite this kind of like very like brief summary of his life, kind of like glazing over some of these like amazing stories, 
like how what kind of impact does that have on us right like our devotion to the saints you know the stories are great they're off they're awesome things to tell other people i think that you know even to maybe those who aren't quite so religious to just tell the story of these people and how they live their lives i think it can be very inspiring and it can even um really pull people into interest and especially you know with saint francis i think he's probably one of the most well-known saints but the least well-known in regards to his actual life <laughs> yeah everyone everyone knows the name saint francis especially now that you know our holy father has selected the name francis to be pope francis you know, if you didn't know about him before, you definitely know about him now. And one of the things that I find very beautiful about the life of St. Francis, like you had said before, is that he lived this very radical life in living out the gospel. And I see saints like St. Francis as like a goal. You know, there's this man who lived a radical life of self-giving to others and to God. And all I can do is just take baby steps, tiny little baby steps from where I'm at now, where I was before, and maybe one day just draw a little bit closer to him. But what I find absolutely beautiful about saints like St. Francis, that they still continue to call us to that life even today. You know, St. Francis lived hundreds of years before any of us, but Still to this day, the gospel that he preached is alive. You know, we can pick up scripture and read for ourselves the words of Jesus Christ and the words of the apostles and the great words of the prophets before them. And I would say like St. Francis is almost this New Testament prophet, you know, coming to to remind us all of who God is and, you know, of our own sinfulness, our own fallen nature, that we cannot do this alone. We can only do this with God. I find absolutely beautiful and is a great reminder for myself that I can't do this alone. Each and every day I need to surrender myself to God. And I can only do that through my own friendships that I have with, you know, guys like you, as well as the the saints in heaven who are continually praying for us every day. Yeah, definitely. I think that too, um, when it comes to kind of the saints that kind of strike us, the saints that we kind of like grab a hold of as far as like our personal devotions, and that then kind of ends up informing our own uh, spiritual practices sometimes and our kind of like spiritual, uh, yeah, our kind of spiritual interests. Um, I think that oftentimes they can be kind of, uh, like you said, kind of like this goal, not so much as like, okay, well, I'm, well, we're going to become this saint. Like, cause like, no, you're your own person. Yeah. But you know, for me, St. Francis, I think kind of corresponding to my, I think some, some of my tendency, you know, I have a, a generally a little bit more of like a melancholic, uh, kind of tendency in my personality to be, you know, sometimes a little bit more down on myself or just kind of, uh, you know, even tempted towards, cynicism, which I think is a huge problem, you know, not just for me personally, I think just very much in general, especially in today's day and age, that we just kind of need to be reminded of that joy that the gospel really brings. And I think that St. Francis, despite these like horrible trials that he goes through in his life, especially with trying to found his own order, um, his life is by no means easy and he suffers a lot. But in the midst of this horrible suffering, this pain that he goes through, 
Um, even his order kind of starting to be, in some sense, towards the end of his life, kind of uh, overruled or kind of run in a direction that wasn't exactly what he had in mind. Even through all that, he was so joyful. And up to the very end of his life, even on his deathbed, when he can't walk anymore because he has the stigmata and it's in, in his feet and he, he can't walk, he has to ride on a donkey. Uh, much, he doesn't like that at all. He, he wants to keep going. He says this quote and he says, you know, he says, Brothers, let us now go and preach the gospel. For until now, we have done nothing. Wow. <laughs> wow. And I just, when, I, when you hear St. Francis, you kind of get this almost like this like sensation of like excitement. Like you're like, yeah, like let's go. Like it's very motivated. Like he's a very motivated and a motivating saint. Like he makes you, you know, he, ma- he makes you get hype for the gospel. You're like, yeah, like let's go. Like let, let's, let's do it, you know. Definitely. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing about St. Francis uh, for me. And why he kind of called out to me um, in that in that in that way that I didn't expect. Yeah, I I kind of I really like the way that you just put that. I'd like to change what I'd said before. I don't really see St. Francis as a goal, but more of a coach. You know, <laughs> he's he's that coach that's on the sidelines that's going nuts. You know, over every little thing that you do and every little accomplishment that you make, and it just keeps driving you forward to do more and more. But never without leaving, you know, who you are. You know, it's not, hey, Cole, stop being Cole and start being St. Francis. It's, Cole, be Cole in the most Cole way you can be, and that is by growing in holiness. I find that absolutely beautiful, especially knowing that it's not just like one saint or two saints, but there's thousands hundreds of thousands and even more that we don't know of that are praying for us unceasingly and is calling us out to great calling us on to greatness yeah um i think it's uh i, I read it this the other day it's in the book uh in senu jesu which is the that book written by a benedictine monk it's uh called the journal of a priest i think about two two years ago or so it was really popular i think it had just come out two or three years ago and uh in that book he mentions you know, in prayer that Jesus had come to him and he said, there are many saints in heaven, you know, including my Holy Mother, who are praying for you constantly. Some of them you know, some of them you will know, and some of them you will meet one day. Um, It's something like that. That's like a general paraphrase. But I found that really touching. And that kind of speaks back to what what I was mentioning at the beginning, that in some ways I think that God kind of almost like assigns the saints to us. You know, I've heard a lot of stories about certain saints and you'll know like when there's a saint that like you're supposed to have a devotion to, because I think that they'll just kind of keep popping up in your life. That's what I've kind of noticed. And I've heard many people say that, that there's a saint that they were kind of constantly disinterested in, but the saint kept popping up in their life until they couldn't ignore them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's the constant theme. Whenever I talk to my friends, who are super into the lives of the saints and devotion to the saints, you know, they'll say, Saint Joseph keeps popping up in my prayer all the time. You know, why is this? What's going on? And then they dive deeper and deeper and begin to love the saint more and through their love of the saint begin to love Christ even more, uh, which I find, which I think is the most important part of the devotions is 
these saints aren't looking for their own personal glory. They're looking for uh, a deeper conversion in our hearts so that way we may be more in love with God, more disposed to his graces, and be willing to accept whatever it is that God puts upon us and gives to us, um, that we be willing to accept his gifts, no matter what that may be. So you've read a handful of the different biographies on St. Francis, as you'd said before, and the stigmata is just one of many gifts or miracles that were given to St. Francis. St. Francis was very much an instrument of God's graces um, to be brought into the world. Would you mind sharing one of your favorite stories of St. Francis being that instrument of God's grace to others? Yeah, definitely. I think that one of the most interesting stories uh, of St. Francis's kind of his life, of his his journeys, I think that one of my favorite stories of St. Francis really happens actually uh, not from one of his major miracles, although there's a lot of those, um, you know, that involve different healings. I mean, they talk about people, especially towards the end of his life, when he would go through the streets, that he he, he really became this Christ figure that people would push up against him and try to touch his habit or even tear a piece off of his habit because it was known that people would receive these miraculous healings. But I think one of my favorite stories is after he presents his early rule to the Pope, and the Pope has this, this dream that this man is going to like fix the church because at first he sends him away because he just thinks he's this crazy poor guy. Um, (laughs) And St. Francis basically proposes this rule that says we're going to wear one tunic and we're going to be poor and we're going to preach penance. And that's essentially like all that he has. He doesn't really have anything written out at this point. And the Pope and the Cardinals are a little bit nervous, and especially some of the Cardinals, because like any saint, not all of them were really on board. Because his life seemed very, very, almost impossible to keep, but it was so gospel-based, and it was so in line with the way that Jesus lived, but that they could do nothing but accept, um, at least as a provisional measure, this kind of idea that he would he would see if if he would if he could get vocations kind of that he would see if his his movement would would grow and that it would bear fruit and that the Holy Spirit would guide it. So then, my favorite story comes down to this: is that they're going back to Assisi and they end up in the woods in Grecio. It's just him and his early followers, and they end up in this little hut, and they stay in this this little hut for weeks months and it's i think it's grecio is where where this is and it's just outside of a cc area and they just kind of live there you know in the woods just praying like this is before he even goes out and preaches and there's something about like this like stage in his life with like these early followers that there's something almost mystical about it um he he kind of talks of this there's like this vision that he has of uh, lady poverty and lady obedience and and uh, lady chastity and kind of these these like mystical experiences that he has of the uh, evangelical councils 
and how like they touch his heart and they change him and, and it's, it's especially kind of during during these times when he's alone outside of Assisi you know I guess to kind of like bring it in I, I think that my favorite stories of St. Francis really center on his on his just his prayer life I, I think that just hearing about his prayer life about how you how much the union with God he attained to how much he just loved God in prayer that he would just he was constantly going to prayer that he would he wouldn't let things anything interfere with it I think that's probably my favorite part about St. Francis's story which is oddly enough probably the most simple and most normal part of his story Right, you'd think it'd be like one of these fantastical stories because there are a lot of them, uh, and they're awesome. But for some reason, it's it's those little moments in his story that that really stand out. Yeah, I I think what really is great about that is, like you said, it's the it's the small, simple things that stand out. You know, God's not calling us to do these over the top, amazing, fantastical things. He's just calling us to do the small things, to do the little things, and those little things bear much fruit. You know, all we need is just the faith of a mustard seed, as Christ tells us. And a mustard seed is like the tiniest seed I've ever seen, and it turns into a massive bush. And it's the small, simple prayers of St. Francis that explode into this movement that even to today, you know, the Franciscans are alive and well. And many, many, many different offshoots and, you know, different groups of Franciscans. So that way, you know, you can live the life of St. Francis in whatever way your own life is able to to handle pretty much, you know, because he lived an extreme life. And, you know, you kind of you kind of have what I like to think of is like you got mild Francis and then like medium francis and then like hot francis you know it's like it's like hot sauce it's like salsa salsa flavored franciscans now one last question for you you mentioned before that it's god who sends the saints to us and it's the saints who who pick us necessarily we don't we don't go out of our way like you didn't go out and search out for saint francis or any of the other saints that you have devotions to. So what would you say to someone who doesn't really have, doesn't have a devotional life and a relationship with, with any of the saints yet? And they're, they're kind of searching out, you know, St. Therese is pretty cool, but I've also heard about like St. Michael, the archangel, he's an angel. That sounds pretty awesome. You know, you know, the more obscure saints that, you know, not many people have, devotions to or or know much about so what would you say to that person who's looking for a patron Hmm. yeah um yeah yeah, that sometimes that is a tough question um you know i would probably say that if there is any saint that you've run into that has just you know you hear their story and and it really resonates with you i mean that's obviously the first step I mean, if, if their story begins to resonate you with you, you should probably check them out a little more in depth. But not always. That's not always how it goes, right? Right. So I, so I said that you know I wasn't really that interested in in learning the in depths of Saint Francis of Assisi. I just kind of thought, okay, I already know this this saint generally, not really. But you know, I'm not really interested in reading anything on him right now. 
I think that just that aspect that we mentioned before of that the saint kind of keeps popping into your life. And that doesn't have to be in fantastic ways. That doesn't even necessarily need to be like in prayer, although it might be. But it might just be that other people around you mention him or you keep seeing stuff about him. Um, or, you know, you go to a mass at a local parish and they have a statue of the saint there at that parish. Or, you know, whatever it might be, even those little things, I think, oftentimes are sometimes signs from God kind of pulling us in that in that direction. Because I got to say, like, thinking back on it, St. Francis was showing up in my life for probably at least a year and a half prior to me actually bothering to look into his life. So I, I think that it's probably pretty likely that there is a saint out there who's already kind of trying to get your attention, but you don't realize it yet. And so you, you gotta, gotta, you almost have to kind of like look for it, but also, you know, if you're not seeing that, uh, you know, uh, ask Jesus, ask Mary to, you know, intercede and, and to pray or to enter into your life in a way that makes that more clear, you know, because uh, certainly they, you know, certainly Jesus wants you to have a relation with his, you know, with his saints. So I, I definitely would probably recommend that. Awesome. Start. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Cole, for being on here. And thank you to everyone for listening. We ask if you would give us a rating on whatever platform it may be that you're using if you're able to rate us and be sure to reach out to us if you have any questions or you'd like to make any comments or suggestions or whatever it may be our email is semcasual at scs.edu and we'll have that down in the description at the bottom as well along with the books that have been mentioned in this podcast maybe if you find some interest in saint francis after listening to this you can further explore please know that we are praying for you and we thank you for listening saint francis of assisi pray for us